0: church family, I'm going to invite you to stand at this time for the reading of Holy Scripture. Our text this morning is going to be Matthew's Gospel, the first chapter, verses 18 through 25. We've heard the phrase, a real man's man, and Matthew 1, 18 through 25, we read about a real God's man, if you will. Verse 18, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, our simple prayer is this, that whether we uh, be men in this room this morning, or uh, married to a man, raising a boy to be a man, that you'd use this text to reveal to us what uh, it really means to be a, a man of God. For parents to be able to instill these things in their boys, for um, we men to know what it is that we're to aspire to. There's a lot of lies in our day and in our culture about what it means to be a man, so we just simply ask that you'd use this text to highlight the character, the integrity, and the actions of Joseph as a means for edifying us. Of uh, what a real man is like from your perspective. We pray this in Jesus name. Amen. Well you may be seated and um, it's about uh, 16 years ago that I was going to go to Julie's dad and ask him if it would be all right with him if I could marry his daughter. I didn't sleep much that week knowing that that was what I was going to do and I was going to do it on a sunday i thought that would be good since it's the lord's day to go and ask him about this and i was very 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 intimidated i'm just going to be honest with you uh we won't go into much detail but uh there have been a, been been some times that maybe he hadn't looked favorably upon similar requests for other daughters and so i, I knew what i was uh, getting into but i thought it was the appropriate thing and by the way let me just go on and tell you i do think it's the appropriate thing for a man to go and ask for the hand of uh daughter of from her father and so I'd worked all day on what I was going to do and uh sat there and uh, would make a uh simplify things he um uh, well Julie was the third of his three daughters to get married and maybe by that time he is just ready to to just be done with it and uh, so gave his uh gave his blessing and so we entered a time called engagement right so I asked not, not many days later for Julie to marry me, and. Glory to God, she said yes, and uh, so we entered what was called our engagement period. We were engaged from uh, uh, around December of 2000 and got married in June 2001. Engagement's exciting time, isn't it? I mean, we started making all these plans, and, and in, in Mary and Joseph's day, it worked a little bit differently. I think we mentioned this last week, but just to go over, it says in Matthew 1 that Joseph was, the word there is betrothed to Mary, right? It's not quite the equivalent of what we call engagement. It worked a little bit differently. In those days, families made the decisions together. How about that? Anybody want to say amen to that? It wasn't up to the two individuals so much as Mary's family and Joseph's family, they came together and they said in a community sort of way, we think that they would be a good match, right? And so the family sort of entered into an agreement and entered what's called betrothal. Now, when he entered a betrothal, there was a legal document, a legal covenant was signed. They're legally married, but they entered a betrothal period, which would last anywhere between nine months and a year. Anybody want to venture a guess of why it would last nine months? Why nine months? Well, it was a period um, of, of preparation and purity, as we have mentioned in the past. One, preparation. The man's responsibility was when they came together as husband and wife, he'd have a place to provide for his Wife, right? I always like to highlight from the get go, Genesis. You go look it up if you don't believe me. Before God brought Eve into Adam's life, number one, he had a relationship with God, and number two, he had a responsibility to fulfill. All right, and I think those are two really, really, really good markers if you, if you ever want to know is a man ready to get married. Number one, we tracking along together. Does he have a relationship with God? And number two, is he faithful to his existing? responsibilities those are just two non-negotiables all right so so uh so here we go uh, uh mary and joseph are in the period of preparation joseph's responsibility is that he's going to provide a place for mary and then it's also a period of purity now so they're going to demonstrate that they have a pure relationship right but what has happened you know the storyline, Mary has gone for three months to visit her cousin Elizabeth, who's expecting John the Baptist in her womb. She's come back from a three-month trip to her cousin's house, and she was found to be with child. And Joseph knows it's not his child. So in the betrothal period, the period of preparation or purity, if... One of those, and especially the purity principle, is found to not be abided by, there could be a legal divorce. And that's exactly what Joseph is planning to do. Her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Well, we're going to look at uh, Joseph and his characteristics and on a couple of levels here again we mentioned them when i was praying if you are a man you want to look at joseph's characteristics and traits and and take inventory if this is the kind of man that you are if you're raising a boy i've got a nine-year-old boy who won't uh, be too many more years before he's entering into manhood these are the character traits that i want to and then y'all listen to this The, the, the script is flipped i've got three daughters three daughters three little precious girls that um uh in the Lord's will, who knows, but perhaps three other guys will come along and knock on my door. I'm already praying, y'all, because I already don't like them. I already, I already have an existing bias against these three guys, so the Lord's going to do a work in my heart. And, uh, but this is, I'm just going to tell you, these are the things that I would look for if you're going to ask for my daughter to be your bride in the future, in the distant, distant, far from now, decades away future, this is, uh, I'll put it this way, this is my prayer, these are my prayer requests for his character. So um, so here we go, I'm going to give you, I think it's five if you've got an outline, and what you'll find, and all the married couples can say amen to this, is a marriage does not minimize character traits, it maximizes character traits. This is what I mean by that, how he or she is before marriage, it, uh, when, when you get married, it doesn't minimize those character traits it maximizes that amen so a little temper if he's got a little temper before you marry him guess what after you marry him it's not a little temper anymore guess what it is It's a big temper and, and it also works this way for the good qualities for the godly if he's a kind and compassionate patient and considerate before marriage once you enter into marriage those things will be maximized as well I just want to say that because sometimes people enter into marriage thinking, oh, well, I'll change him or, oh, it won't always be this way. Marriage maximizes the character traits. So what are Joseph's character traits? Number one on the list is this, Joseph refused to shame Mary. Joseph refused to shame Mary. Now uh, listen, we all know what's going on here. Joseph is a betrothed to Mary, and then she shows up expecting a child. So he makes some pretty obvious conclusions, right? He makes the conclusion, I'm being faithful to her during this betrothal period of preparation and purity. While I'm here in Nazareth preparing a place for her, she has become with child. And so in those days, in that time, in that place, in that situation, what Joseph could do in that culture was to shame her publicly, could humiliate her. Not not far off from what we see in John chapter 8 with the woman caught in adultery and what they were seeking to do to her. But Joseph says her husband, see they're legally married. It's not her fiance, her husband Joseph being a just man Look what it says, and unwilling. There was something he would not do. And you can mark a man and his character by what he refuses to do. What he refuses to participate in. Even if that's what everybody else would do, a man will stand on his own feet and says, I will refuse to do this. And what was it? He refused to put her to shame. Refused to put her to shame. A man who will shame a woman is no man at all. Somebody say amen? Let's talk for a minute. We're just talking here, right? Actually, we're not. I'm preaching. How about that? A man who will shame a woman is no man. Joseph's not going to put her to shame. Now, let's say everybody, especially especially, uh, those of you who might be looking for a man in some uh, time in your life, if not right now, ladies, if he'll shame you, that's a good cue to walk in the other direction. I don't know. Joseph won't do it. Joseph won't do it. He's unwilling to put her to shame. We live in kind of a shaming culture. Social media, y'all, seems to love to just shame people. Just post it. Tweet it. Shame as many times as we can. Well, I am... Um, speaking of my three little girls when julie found out we were expecting our fourth um julie's a twin uh, uh, has a twin sister and she's born this is kind of crazy she was born on the same day as her grandmother who's also a twin so julie had gotten in her mind that we were going to have twins with our with our fourth and went to her initial checkup and one of the uh, nurses in the room said i think i hear two heartbeats and uh, But it was a little too early on to do an ultrasound until we found out that you can just go and have an ultrasound. There's a place in Just go have a, you want an ultrasound, you go have an ultrasound. So we decided to do that, and maybe didn't think through this very well, we decided to take everybody. We took the whole family, we all loaded up, and we got it in the car. And uh, so uh, we're there in the ultrasound room, and the ultrasound begins. You see a little face, and there's a little face and little hands, a little precious little person in there. And uh, a couple minutes in, there's the big announcement. It's a girl it's a girl so we're all thrilled we're all excited well not all of us so I brought my main man my son And I'm I'm just scanning the room and I'm scanning big smiles and then there's one face not big smile in fact it's the quivering chin you know when a boy knows he's not supposed to cry but he's about to cry that's that face that was there before me so I said Abel hey uh, why don't we step outside so we stepped outside and went to the restroom and I closed the door to that restroom and he just begins to sob I right just sobbing just that can't breathe sobbing I said buddy it's okay it's okay it's okay and he looked up at me and he said but daddy I already have two sisters (laughs) and so we just we just held each other for a minute and pat him on the back we're gonna be all right brother we're gonna be all right and um of course, the funny thing now is, is that nobody loves Abel D's like his youngest sister, Juliana, does. But I'm training Abel. Three sisters. Can we just pause and pray for a minute for Abel? Maybe we'll just do that. <laughs> Three sisters. One older, two younger. So got getting it from both age ends, if you will. But I'll just share with you On the basis of this text, some things that I will not allow my son to do. He does not raise his voice at his sisters. Hey, if in the neighborhood, anything's going down, you stand by your sisters. You defend your sisters. You are in this together. You don't raise your voice. You, you, You don't act aggressively. Why? Because there's going to be a day that the brother becomes a husband to another lady, right? And it's important from the get-go that he understands this little word right here, will not shame her. A couple of, a couple of brief applications on this. Husbands, be very careful. A couple of things. Number one, on your use of words, especially uh, when it's the use of humor, right? Sometimes we think humor is harmless, But I'm just going to tell you this, I don't think there's ever been a wife in the history of the world who's ever felt blessed, honored, and valued by being the subject of her husband's jokes. You say amen if you want to. Ever. Let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only such as fits the occasion. Listen to this, that it may give grace to those who hear. Oh man, a bride, a wife needs to be built up, not torn down by the words. I take from Joseph, We'll talk about this more in a moment. The interesting thing about uh, Joseph is uh, you you don't have a single sentence that he ever speaks in the New Testament. He never says anything, although he says a lot, if you know what I mean. But I can imagine if he's unwilling to shame her when he thinks that she's been unfaithful, oh, what words he must have used when he understood uh, understood the truth. Now, no doubt, all sorts of sarcastic comments Mean-spirited jibes and jabs came Mary's way during this season of her life, right? I mean, we all know what's going on again. Showed up. But none of those words ever came out of Joseph's mouth. Joseph's mouth, rather. So, number one, Joseph refused to shame Mary. Secondly, Joseph took time to think carefully. That's number two. Joseph took time to think carefully. Let's read it again. Uh, Her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. This might seem really simple, but I think it's really important. When did God speak to Joseph? If you're reading this text. When did God speak to him? When did God show up and clearly speak to Joseph? There's two verbs that have been used of him. Here they are. Joseph resolved. And then secondly, verse 20, Joseph considered. What are those words? Resolved and considered. What kind of words are those? I mean, I know they're verbs. But what are they speaking about? They're speaking about taking time to think. In other words, Joseph wasn't impulsive. Some of the worst mistakes, not just men, but people make is they make very short-term impulsive decisions that aren't taking time to consider things carefully. And I think it's important to note that God shows up and speaks to Joseph when Joseph takes time to think carefully. The Lord speaks to him when he sets aside time to think carefully. And this is important for us because we are living increasingly in a time that I think it's less and less conducive our culture is to careful thinking. We're on our phones a little bit too much. On our tablets a little too much. Our minds are too scattered. We're thinking too many things at two times. And, and we're not thinking about one thing in a deep way. Joseph took time to think carefully. Friends, you've got to take time to be in the Word and to think and to reflect and not just sort of coast or drift through life. If you just coast through life, that current will never take you towards God. It will always take you away from God. And so Joseph is a... Considerate man. Too often we're t- so busy reacting and too distracted for careful consideration. Hey, if you're a young man, are you taking time to carefully think what kind of man you really are growing into being, and what kind of husband you're going to be, what kind of dad you're going to be? Take time to carefully consider it. Most of us, if we examine the worst decisions we've ever made in our lives, would describe them as rash decisions or decisions made in a moment without much forethought. Joseph knows something doesn't add up. I know Mary. I've trusted Mary. He knows her character. He knows the kind of person that she is, and and, and he's conflicted and confused, and he begins to consider things carefully and make resolutions and um That's when the Lord speaks to him. So number two, Joseph took time to think carefully. Let's go to number three. Number three is Joseph was morally pure. Joseph was a morally pure person. There's a reason, right? There's a reason Joseph knows the child was not his. We often hear the phrase Virgin Mary, right? Have you ever heard the phrase Virgin Joseph? Seems kind of foreign to our ears, does it? I mean, let's be honest. There's nothing more uh, in our world, in our culture, more to be made fun of than a pure man, right? I mean, Hollywood makes comedies out of the concept that there would be a Virgin Joseph, so to speak. But look what the Bible says. The Bible says he knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And that culture, in that time, in that place, preparation purity and then the consummation of marriage in a physical relationship we turn that totally upside down in our day right we want to start with the physical consummation of a relationship and then maybe we'll get around to the preparation and so on and so forth I always like to point out to uh, to, to to ladies that men and women are made very differently uh, men bond and connect with people physically then emotionally and women are just the opposite Women bond emotionally and then physically. I mean, you see two guys out there on the playground and they're going at it with their lightsabers. Why? Because men, man, they're just going to rough house and so on and so forth. So I'm just telling you this because the confusion, and it happens over and over and over again, is a woman will sometimes assume that a man's ready to bond with me emotionally because he's ready to bond with me physically. And friends, it's just not so. It's just not true. And then there's a third and much deeper and more important level than physically and emotionally and it's spiritually that's where you want to measure where a man is and it shows up in the other areas right his spiritual temperament shows up again in what he's willing and unwilling to do and that includes the arena of moral purity men you got to be liberated from the uh, lie that uh, you're just a creature of nature and habit that that's just what men do right i I feel like we we're told this constantly that uh, we'll go as far in a physical relationship with a lady as she'll let us go that is a lie somebody say amen to me not to me that's not what i quite mean <laughs> we are awash drowning in sexual impurity in this culture and i just want to encourage you men don't just give up and say oh well that's just the way it is it's not the way it is it's not the way it is you don't have to buy the lie Now, the Internet has opened up all sorts of things. High on the list is all sorts of images that are just a click away. And I just encourage you, I just encourage you in the Lord Jesus Christ that his standards of holiness and purity didn't change when the Internet came about. You just throw in the towel and say, well, this is how it's going to be. No, no, no. Joseph wouldn't have been that way. In fact, one of the ways he most shows Mary that he loves her, he esteems her, he values her, is he knew her not until she had given birth to her son and he called his name Jesus. God desires for men to have clean and pure minds and hearts. Here's the danger. Blessed are the pure in heart, they shall see God. What's the opposite? Cursed are the impure in heart, they'll never see God. Friends, I'll just tell you, uh, this is a huge burden because I think it's huge implications in our day. There are some things once seen, they cannot be unseen. Some images come into the mind, they do not go out of the mind. Parents, fight for your boys. Fight for your daughters. You you hook them up to uh, devices and let them go their own way. You may not like where they go. So men... Fight for the honor of your bride and the honor truthfully of all women made in the image of God by being unwilling to do and see and watch and purchase and participate in certain things. There are no more dangerous traps for a man than the trap of an impure mind. So again, don't fall for the lie that all men think that way, all men look at that stuff, all men are wired that way. Joseph was steadfast in his purity, just like the man from the Old Testament that he was named for, Joseph, who when Potiphar's wife kept coming, and she was persistent, Potiphar's wife kept coming, kept coming. You know what Joseph of Genesis said? How could I do this and sin against my God? See, that's what I mean. Spiritual, <laughs> who, who man is spiritually, shows up in his emotional and physical life and in his, his thought life. And for instance, he got to, got to realize that when Joseph decides to stay with Mary, certain conclusions were also made about him, right? And certain conclusions have to be made about him. Well, they're betrothed, but I mean, she's expecting, they haven't even come together, and Joseph's staying with her, so that must mean what? It has begotten to be his child, so he has to bear the brunt of a soiled reputation. And Joseph, here you go, men, here's a good, here's a, here's a good principle, Joseph knew it was better to live in light of what God knew about him than what other people thought about him. And that might be the real key to manhood, right? Joseph resolved it's better to live in light of what God knew about him than what people thought about him. Got two more quickly. Number four is Joseph listened to God and obeyed. Now, both of those, that's a very basic statement, I know, but both parts of the statement are important. And both have kind of a filtering and narrowing effect, right? So you take all people and then you're going to narrow it down by those who choose to listen to God and then you're going to narrow it down even further that those once they've listened have actually got the grace in their lives to uh, obey. Many, 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 many people never, ever, 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 ever ever listen to God. They don't. And fewer still having listened, obey. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, One of the principles that we tell our children is this. Obedience is doing what you're told right away with a good attitude. That's true obedience. Doing what you're told right away with a good attitude. There's no such thing as delayed obedience. I tell my child to go brush their teeth and they say, well, I'm going to do that tomorrow. That's not obedience, right? And then sometimes, especially the little ones, will say, now it's time for bed and go brush your teeth. And they say, oh, all right. And then that's not obedience either. They're doing what we said, but they're not doing it with any joy. Now, obedience is doing what you're told right away with a good attitude. How's your obedience with the Lord Jesus Christ, right? You do what you're told, and do you do it right away? And then just as importantly, do you do it with a good attitude? Again, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. When obedience is not something I have to do, but obedience is something that I get to do. Let's read here. But as he considered these things, verse 20, Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear. Do not fear. We like to pretend that it's not, but in a lot of men's lives, man, fear is a huge driving factor in force. So many decisions, so many actions are made on the basis of fear. Afraid of what people will think. I'm afraid they won't think I'm a real man. I'm afraid they'll make fun of me. I'm afraid they'll laugh. I'm afraid so on and so forth. The Lord says, don't fear. She will bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus. This was to fulfill the prophet. Now now look at verse 24. When Joseph woke from sleep, a little bitty word, just three letters long in my translation, he, D-I-D, he did. He did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife. Something he did and something he didn't do. But knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. We men sort of have the reputation of not wanting to ask for directions, even from the GPS, and it's quite frankly, I don't know that the GPS is often right. We'd rather go 30 miles in the wrong direction than to ask for the right directions, right? It's just our foolish pride. Here's a confession, though. We need direction. We need God to help us. We need God to help us lead our families and serve our families well. We need God's direction to help us to spend our time wisely. We need God's help to have pure minds and faithful hearts. And again, as the father of three girls, whenever that day may come, you know what I'm going to ask? I'm not, I'm not really going to ask to see his car or his house. I mean, those things are important, his paycheck. I'm going to ask to see his Bible. Can you go get, a, can you go get your Bible? I don't know. We've got to make some adjustments in our electronic age, but... I want to see if this thing's been read, right? Has he, has he listened to God? can't ever obey him if you don't at least first begin to listen. And friends, if you're not regularly in the word, you're just out there living blindly, just truth be told. You don't know what he said to do, where he said to go, where, what he said to avoid. It'd just be like me, putting a blindfold on, trying to navigate all through here. I'd stumble over something and before long the Christmas tree would fall over and hurt somebody. Oh, you want a man who listens to God and then obeys. A fifth thing is that Joseph did not. Joseph did not leave. Joseph did not leave. Turn with me to Luke chapter two. I thought a lot about this, and, I, and I'm not ready to make any broad conclusions. But there's something about a man from the get-go. Uh, uh, the curse of, of men seems to be spiritual apathy. You know, God had given Adam a responsibility before he was uh, married to Eve, and it was to keep the garden, right? Adam, your responsibility is to keep, to guard the garden. And then you get over to Genesis 3, and a serpent enters the garden, garden and uh, begins to tempt Eve. And, um, and uh, what do you see Adam do in Genesis 3? He doesn't do anything. Doesn't say anything. Doesn't pray, doesn't protect, doesn't defend. He just stands by. The only thing that's said of Adam is the wife, Eve, took the fruit and gave some to her husband and he ate too. That's it. Spiritual apathy is the curse of of manhood. But Jesus, we'll get to this in a a moment, Jesus is not spiritually (laughs) apathetic. And a lot of men... Because of fear, because of, uh, well, any number of ways. There's another sermon for another day. And number five is so important. Look at Luke 2. We've turned from Matthew to Luke, and in Luke's gospel, he begins it in chapter 1. You want to go and read it, that he talked to a lot of eyewitnesses. And no doubt, no doubt one of those eyewitnesses had to be Mary. Because we get so much in Luke's gospel from Mary's perspective. When the angel showed up, when she went to visit Elizabeth, when they're in Bethlehem, when she wrapped the baby in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. I mean, that's a mother's observation, right? And, and then in, in here, we get this, uh, Luke 2, verse 15. When the angels went away from them into heaven, right after they had announced to the shepherds, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary... and Joseph, and the baby, lying in a manger. When they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child, and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. Mary, Mary, but Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Shepherds returned, glorifying God and praising God for all they would seen and heard, as had been told them. You know, there are a lot of potential reasons that Joseph could have bailed, Right? There's no record, there's no record that anybody believed their story, save Elizabeth, Mary's cousin. And look where they are, in a a stable. I think Joseph felt embarrassed about this. He could do no better by Mary than, uh, than having her end up in a place built for animals and laying the baby in a feeding trough. A lot of men bail because they feel like they can't do well enough. They leave out of, out of shame. And again, if you read uh, Luke's gospel, you know that his gospel was written on the basis of interviewing a number of eyewitnesses. And one of those eyewitnesses was Mary. And I sort of think, I sort of think, when we get to this section, Mary must look at the good Dr. Luke and say, Don't leave out the fact that Joseph was right There, you make sure you record that Joseph did not bail on me. Joseph never speaks in the Bible. doesn't say one word. There's not one statement attributed to him. There's just one that's implied. You shall call him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And so it's not recorded. It's not there. But there's Joseph holding the baby, right? Old squirmy little almighty God. Crazy thought, isn't it? a little harmless, helpless Jesus. And it's Joseph who says, his name's Jesus. Yeshua, the Lord saves. That's who this baby is. That's what his name means. Now let's leave those five statements on the board because we're going to be able to say about Joseph the best thing that could possibly be said about any man. Not that he was a Super Bowl MVP, not that he made millions and millions and millions of dollars, not that he uh, aspired to some great government office. Joseph didn't do any of those things, but now what we're going to be able to do is we're going to be able to take Joseph's name out of these statements, and we're going to insert the name Jesus, and we'll make a few small variations, but you're going to be able to see that Joseph models the character of Christ, and if you want something to aspire to as a man, if you want something to raise a boy to aspire to, if you want in your husband anything, it would be this, that he reminds me of and points me to Jesus. First of all, Jesus refuses to shame his bride. Jesus refuses to shame his bride. The scripture teaches us that God instituted marriage as a megaphone, and as a a big arrow to Jesus's love for his bride, which is the church. That a husband's to be faithful to his wife as Jesus is faithful to the church. In fact, that's what the scripture says. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. You want to put two big banners over your life as a husband? Love and give. Love and give. I'm to love and I am to give. And Joseph refused to shame Mary in the same way that Christ refused to shame his bride. Now, in Mary's case, in Mary's case, what was assumed of her wasn't actually so. She had not had an adulterous relationship with somebody else, but scripturally speaking, we are spiritual adulterers. That's what the Bible says. We've gone after other gods. We've been unfaithful to him. Though he's created us and loved us and redeemed us, um, we, we, we've gone after other gods. We have been unfaithful, and it would have been just Remember what it says, Joseph being a just man. God would have been just, if you want to use the terminology, in separating himself from us forever. But God refused to do that. And it's not just that he refused to shame. The Bible teaches that God in Christ Jesus took on our shame. It's not just I'm not going to shame you over it. It's because this is important. This is really, really, really important. The hope that we have is not that we're not shameful. It's a false gospel, friends, and it is blared out by our culture that you don't have to be ashamed about anything. The truth of the matter is there are things that we need to be ashamed of. Paul put it best, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God unto salvation. You're you're, uh, preached to a false gospel that you ought not to be ashamed of anything there's only one thing that is the power of God unto salvation and that's the gospel we're not ashamed of the gospel but the gospel teaches us that there are things we ought to be ashamed of but Christ took those very things on himself secondly God took time to think carefully right Jesus Christ is the lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world Ephesians 1 he put forth Christ as a plan in the fullness of time to unite all things together in him you see it Jesus coming and being born in Bethlehem wasn't some haphazard rash decision. Let's think of something to do. He put him as a plan in the fullness of time to unite all things together in him. Jesus Christ is the full expression of God's carefully timed and thought out plan. Jesus was morally spotless and pure. It makes it all the more remarkable that he took on our shame when you understand how shameless and pure he truly is. And he did it to pay our debt. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, listened to God and obeyed perfectly. There was never a moment of his life that he didn't listen to God. There's never a moment of his life that he didn't obey. And friends, I can share with you on the authority of Scripture that Jesus Christ will never, ever, ever leave us he will never leave us he will never forsake us the cross demonstrates his love for us what a savior amen and one of the great joys and responsibilities that a man has in the role of a husband and a dad is to model the character of christ to his own bride and to his own children and no man does it perfectly but it's the glorious privilege to allow the holy spirit to use us. All right, so here we go. It's five pretty good character traits, isn't it? I might, I, might even, I might even be willing to sit down and talk to a man like that about one of my daughters. We'll just talk. But um, it's a remarkable, Joseph. But really, as we enter to our time of invitation, I want you to know, That Jesus willingly takes your shame. He'd rather take your shame than live eternally apart from you. It's an amazing grace. And that that Christ, again, is the well-thought-out purpose of God. Christ is pure. Christ is obedient. Christ will never leave us or forsake us. I think, in part, that's why The Lord entrusted to a man like Joseph this news. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. A a, a man of God understands that there's somebody much more important than he is. This one. Joseph, you're going to live your whole life for the glory of somebody else. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did, as the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, knew her not, until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Let's stand together. We're going to pray together. We're in our time of invitation. Maybe you want to use this time to humbly pray for your son, that this is the kind of character traits that are cultivated in him, to pray for your husband, As a man, to pray that this is how you model Christ-like attributes and characteristics. To wage war against impurity. And maybe you take this time to be like Joseph and to resolve and consider things carefully. Am I just drifting through life? Or am I using the Word of God to give me clear direction? Or maybe in your life you've never truly understood that Jesus Christ has come to go to the cross on your behalf, to carry your shame and your debt to demonstrate his loving faithfulness to you. Father, thank you for Jesus. We readily confess there's not a, a, a man, a person among us this morning that perfectly models your behavior. So thank you for forgiveness and mercy for second chances for compassion for grace father we want to find a balance between getting that second chance and resolving to not squander the the time that we have so father thank you for Jesus thank you for this great picture into real manhood we get all sorts of images and pictures and references to to what it means Um, but I thank you for this clear demonstration of a quiet humble man who doesn't say a lot, but wow, his actions speak so much louder than words. So Father, use this time to encourage our hearts ultimately about the purity, love, forgiveness, and character of Christ. All our hope is in Him. Lead our time as we think and pray in Jesus' name. Amen.